Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we begin a brand new sermon series today in the book of Thessalonians. And as you can see, we've titled this Firm in Faith. Now, if you're listening to us via podcast, we're grateful that you're listening and hope that this message would help you take your next step towards Jesus. Hey, standing firm and living a life of faith begins with exercising faith. We must trust by faith that God is who He says He is and that we are who He says we are. You catch that part? Well, Lord, we pray. Would you come, Father, and we want to just say thank you for sacrificing your life for ours. As we learn from the letter to the Thessalonians, Lord, please encourage us in the faith to stand firm, to trust your plans, and Lord, even to love one another is when it's not always so easy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome, church. Today, again, as we begin this brand new sermon series in the book of 1 Thessalonians um, and also even the 2 Thessalonians, here are some of, of the first epistles or letters that were literally written by Paul and the church in Thessalonica. So a lot of times we would get these different, like Ephesians or Philippians, and some people haven't even bothered to that the pastor didn't even bother or the teacher didn't bother to say the reason it's called Ephesians is because it was written to the church in a city called Ephesus. Or the reason it's called Philippians is because it was written to a church that the apostle Paul, Paul had had founded there and so he called from the city in Philippi. In this case, Thessalonica. Okay, so that's where some of the names came from, from the Bible in the New Testament. And sometimes we pastor types don't bother to say that simple understanding that people can go decades and not put that connection together. So there you have it. All of that to say, we get a firsthand look into how Paul, the apostle, and, and the pastor encouraged this very young church in Thessalonica. Now, a bit of background information is always good when you go into a, a particular book. So Thessalonica, it was a coastal town on the major Roman road called Via Ignatia, which means the way of the nations. Running eastward from Rome, so here's Rome, it would run east, which would be in this direction if you're falling true east, that way west be in that direction. Now, it was a seaport. It was also very close to very rich, well-watered coastal plains. So it was very green. And these three advantages made Thessalonica the largest and most important commercial and political city of Macedonia. Thessalonica was a cosmopolitan of its day. And this metro would be similar to Corinth, where we get 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And it's inhabited by people from all over the known world. There was the barbaric Germanic, or the Germans were actually there. And they would come in to the north, and there they would live. 
And also, they would bring with them their pagan form of worship and religion. And that culture. Well, the Greeks would live there, and of course, they would bring their culture from the south and from the islands there where they were at in Aegean Sea, and in turn bringing, well, their refinement and their philosophies. The Romans from the west also settled there. There were mostly retired soldiers, and they brought their strength of will, but they also brought their wealth, their money, and their political power, because they had great influence. And finally, the Jews came in large number from the east. Eventually, one-third of the population actually was Jewish. They brought with them their ethical monotheism, meaning they believed in only one God. And to so many, especially like the Germans and the pagans, they had multiple gods, sometimes hundreds of gods. So this diversity of people with this diversity of thought and culture made Thessalonica an interesting place for the early church of the way, or what we call today Christianity. Now, matter of fact, it would have, there would be a constant swirl of descending thoughts and ideas. And then the power structures would take over, and it often would lead to conflict, persecution, segregation for those of the early church followers. Doesn't that somewhat begin to seem similar today? They also struggled with things like, hey, it's our way, not your way. If we don't like your thoughts, we're going to counsel you. Not counsel you as in a as the the counselor no we're going to get rid of you on social media we're going to remove your ability to make wealth and so there's this kind of tension right here in thessalonica they had to learn sometimes as as new believers of christ sometimes the hard way how to stand firm in their faith no matter what was going on around them so When was the last time that you really had to either step out in faith or stand firm in your faith? Maybe right now the truth is you're right in the middle of having to stand up for your faith. And it's a challenge. It's interesting. um, I'm just thinking about this. Larry Boss sent me this. And allow me a quick second. I just thought, well, does this fit? My fingers are too fast for this. Here we go. Larry sent this to me. It says, it didn't start with gas chambers. It started with one party controlling the media. It started with one party controlling the message. With one party deciding what is truth with one party censoring speech and silencing opposition, one party dividing citizens into us and them, and calling on the supporters to harass them. It started when good people turned a blind eye and let it happen. 
I believe it comes from Penalto Law Firm. What a powerful message. We need to be careful, folks. We're living in a day and age where we have seen things we thought we would never see in our lifetime. And being silent is giving permission. It's giving approval. I'm not saying being combative, but I'm just saying, no, it's not okay for a person who is a drag queen or transvestite to be grooming children. No, I don't hate you. If that's how you want to live your life, please do that away from children. Not hard. Why is that a fight? Because the war is on. The war is on. And we have to learn how to stand firm in the midst of the day and age that we live in. We will all experience difficult seasons in our lives, and I don't think that's any kind of breaking news for anybody here in this room. But the challenge is, how do we remain faithful and steadfast and resolute in the midst of those difficult and trying times? Interestingly, this seems to be the same kind of season that the church at Thessalonica was experiencing. And one of the reasons that Paul wrote to them was to encourage them to stand firm in their faith. Why? Because you have the pagans over here, you have the, the strong mind of the Roman retired generals and them. You, you had all these different ideas swirling around, everybody bucking to see who could be in power, who can be in charge. It's no different. Remember how it was when everybody was kids and there would be 20, 30 kids in the neighborhood and there's always somebody pushing around everybody so they could be in charge of the kids on the block? There's something in our nature that we have to fight against to say there's only one king and his name is Jesus. We have to say no to those tendencies. Paul, in writing to this church, even 2,000 years ago, was writing with compassion and care to these believers in Thessalonica, and he's actually writing to us today to encourage us i mean here's what he says in his opening first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 and he says we always thank god for all of you and pray for you constantly what's he talking about he says well me and my team we're always praying for you as a church even though we're not there we're praying for you river rock we're praying for you even from a distance. Wow. And here's what's great about it. Does it say we sometimes thank God? Or does it say we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly? As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of you, of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now look at the three specific areas of encouragement that Paul identifies the church. He's saying, this is who you are. This is one, two, and three. This is who you are. You're number one, your, your faithful work. 
Number two, your loving deeds. Number three, your enduring hope you have because of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Has it ever been so heavy on your heart that you forgot Jesus was on your side? Oh, I just preached to Marvin on that one. Have you ever been in a bad place and you just feel like the walls are coming in on you? Did you forget your enduring hope that Jesus is for you, not against you? Look at, look at those three. Faithful worker, loving deeds, enduring hope you have because of Jesus. What dynamic words to describe that church. Faith, love, and hope. They needed that encouragement of Paul to keep going in their faith. Now this is in large part why Paul wrote to them in the first place. He's writing this to strengthen them, to equip them, to admonish them, and exhort them to keep going. In another epistle, in a letter to Timothy, he says, 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. You know, it's easy to get tired, to get worn out. And in that fatigue, in that exhaustion, in your soul, in your body, in your intellect. You're vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. And I want to give up. And that's why this apostle is going, hey, hang in there. You remember Rocky? And he's on his back. And, and, and I can't even think of his... Uh, What's the, the old man? Get up! The trainer's screaming and yelling at him. I can't even think of his name. Somebody knows it. Yeah, but what's his? But he's, he's yelling at him. He goes, get up! In that raspy old voice. Get up! And Rocky finds a way to get up. Sometimes... You're exhausted and you feel like you're on your back. You feel like it's the last Like You feel like it's over. And he's saying, stand firm. It's almost like the old coach looking at you. Get up! That's what we need to hear right now. We're tired of all the news. How about you? Sick of it. We're exhausted because of the corruption. We're exhausted of being treated like we don't know what's going on. And that's what happens. You get fatigued. You get so weary, you just want to lay on your back and just say, I'm done. But somehow you found a way to fight and get up out of bed and come to church. You're to be commended. Because too many in the faith are losing their fight. They're exhausted. They're not to be picked on. They're exhausted. They need somebody to go at them. Get up! To be encouraged. Why? Because I see more in you than you see in you, so trust me, says the Lord. I can do all things through Christ. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. 
Don't give up. Keep fighting. Take hold of the life God's given you. I know sometimes when you're going through some hard stuff and things aren't going right and things aren't fair, you just want to just forget it. Nobody understands me. They don't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this. I get it. Hold your ground. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Ephesians 6. You see, folks, it's difficult and maybe impossible to stand firm in the faith apart from the encouragement of other people. That's why it's so great that you came to church. That you can be encouraged. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8 through 11, it says this, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that, whether we are dead or alive, when He returns, we can live with Him forever. So encourage each other and, catch this word, build each other up just as you are already doing. Now the word Paul uses for build here in Thessalonians, it's the same root word that's used in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let me read that. Now I say to you that you are Peter. This is Jesus, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will say with me, build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, Jesus makes a declaration here in Matthew, I will build my church. And Paul picks up the language saying, build each other up. But he's taking that from Jesus as he says, let's build each other up. Because he understands. Paul figured it out. We're not building a structure. We're building the church, which is a live, living, breathing entity. It's you. It's people. It's not four walls. Praise God for, for that. But that's not the church. That's a building. He's saying, encourage one another. Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians is to continue this building project. Continue, continue building up the body of Christ. And we're called to continue that work today. And as we continue to do the building of the church and other people who didn't know Christ come to know Christ, then we give them that same instruction that was given to us so they can in turn go and encourage somebody else and bring them to Christ. And then them in turn will find somebody who doesn't know Christ and give them the God. Do you guys catch what's going on here? We can't do that if we're not Strong in our faith and firm in our faith. Now with that in mind, let's catch the last part of Matthew 16, 18. After that, that last comma, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Wow! I don't care how bad it is. I got to remember that part. 
I want to believe the circumstances. I want to believe the past history. And this says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. This says nothing can overtake the power of Christ. He's telling us, stand firm. By faith we believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And He will soon return. And by faith we know that Jesus told us, trouble will come. Boy, did that verse come to pass, huh? And that the enemy will try to deceive believers up to the very end of time. That's why it's, in part, why it's called evil. I don't know about you, but did you ever get caught by mom or dad for doing something you weren't supposed to be doing? I mean, you got caught in all directions. Dad was standing there. Mama was standing there. You're in the middle, and there's four other cameras on top of you. I mean, you're busted. You know what I'm talking about? And somehow, in all the midst of this, and in, in, in you realize God says, I'm still for you. I'm still for you. But a person who's evil, they don't care that they're caught. You know what they say when they're caught, fully caught? It's your fault I did what I did. Had you not done what you did, I wouldn't have done what I did. This is your fault, not mine. You catch that? See, they're just gaslighting. But when you're truly a child of the king and you're caught, you know what you usually do? Forgive me, Lord. I've sinned. And against you and you only have I sinned. But when we're busy trying to blame other people, throw it on somebody else, you better be careful. You're on really thin ice. In Matthew chapter 24, 24, 25, it says, For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. See, by faith we have been warned. And by faith we are encouraged to stand firm until the end. Just because we're getting closer to the end doesn't mean the enemy is going to slow down. Remember, he's evil. He knows he's defeated. He's not stopping. He knows he's caught. It doesn't matter. He's still going after us. Why? Pure hatred, pure evil doesn't have to make sense will never make sense see this message of hope and encouragement it's repeated throughout the letters of paul you know paul wrote at least one half of the new testament not amazing and he wasn't one of the 12 disciples remember he was the one who was going around arresting and killing christians he was there holding all the coats while everybody were throwing rocks and killing Stephen. Amazing. This letter of hope, 
It's there to encourage us to put on the full armor. Let's look at at, at Ephesians chapter 6. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Catch that? Stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Do you know you're supposed to resist when evil comes your way? That's not God's job. Not the pastor's job. It's my job as an individual for Marvin. It's your job for you to resist the enemy when he comes your way. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You see, church, our real battle is not actually with flesh and blood. Now, I know you have a name of one or two or many people that you're upset with right now, and you know them perfectly well. You can see them right now. And yet, and I, and I got them too. But you want to know the truth? Marvin, you're not fighting against this person or that person or that person's name. I'm wrestling against against principalities, against powers. This is a true spiritual war. Have you ever did something and later felt really bad and you would just say, have you ever watched those movies and they go, I don't know what happened, something came over me. And you look at somebody and go, man, there's some demon stuff going on there. See, we could all fall prey to being influenced and misguided by the enemy of our soul. So we got to understand, I'm not fighting against a person. I'm fighting against the principalities, the powers, the, the evil spirits that are wanting to work through a person. So when I pray, I pray against that. And I pray for that person's soul. And I also pray, God, forgive me for not seeing my wrongs. Help me to correct my wrongs. I confess in Jesus' name. Have you ever played tug-of-war? I mean, who hasn't, right? You know how it's so very important to get a really good grip and to make sure your feet are just really planted good. I mean, some of you, the guys would wear, you know, cleats, you know, up at camp and stuff. And they'd just get all into it. And they'd have their gloves. And they're just, and they're leaning all their weight and pulling on it. And the truth is, is if you do not get a firm grip, if your whole team doesn't have a firm grip, and you don't have your feet planted strong, how many of you guys have ever seen, I love watching, it's so funny, I shouldn't laugh, it's kind of morbid, but the other team that was ready, and they would just yank and pull, and you would see like 15 other people just being dragged across the grass. Oh, you're all, oh, you were, you were one of the draggies, okay. 
You know why? They weren't ready. They didn't make a stance. They weren't firm in their faith. They didn't get a strong grip. And the end result is their opposition just yanked them wherever they wanted to. See, that's this message today. You know what needs to be done. But if you and I don't take it serious and we just go, boy, that tickled my ear really good. Woo! Amen, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go eat. Sizzlers, here we go. I want to get that salad bar. If we do that, we're going to be dragged. But by the opposition being the enemy of our soul. And then we're going to come around to Thursday and go, what happened? Jesus said, you've been warned. We've been warned. Boy, I'm preaching some guy named Marvin today. We've got to understand. The enemy's taking it for real and is hoping we won't take a stand. And then we will find out the hard way, the painful way. Standing firm isn't easy, but it's so worth it in the end. How many of you want to be on this side where we all take a firm stance and the enemy of our souls right there and we say, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Dude, watch this. Jesus, you got to cover in the back. Yeah, he's our anchor. Okay. Woof. Man, let's do it again, Lord. Let's do it again, Lord. Until everybody's had enough. See, nothing's impossible with Christ. So over the next few weeks, guys, we're going to be taking a deeper, deeper look on how the Thessalonian church, how they stood firm in a culture, in a climate that wasn't very receptive to the idea of Christ. And how... What happened back there can be very relevant for us here a few thousand years forward. So again, consider these three things that Paul commanded the church at the beginning of this letter. And he said, have, he called out just to encourage them, your faithful work, your loving deeds, your enduring hope, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are scheduled to be on their prayer team, would you come up here and be ready to pray? And, hey, church, if, if you need prayer, as, as the prayer team works its way up here, the prayer team, that's one way of standing firm. Say, hey, I, I, need, some, I, I need some secret sauce. You know what I'm saying? How many of you got, how many of you got a secret sauce that you just love putting almost anything of your food? You know, man, us Mexicans, we like putting hot sauce on everything, including dessert. I mean, we just, we, we have our secret sauce, right? I love this stuff. It's called a bottle. It's called the duck. It's this hot sauce. Been eating that stuff since I was a kid. I love this stuff. Well, here's the secret sauce. That whatever you're going through, prayer is foundational. And as you come forward to get prayer, 
just know that you know that God will meet you at your faith. That step of faith. So Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. And Lord, as we're praying and You're tugging on people's hearts, I pray, Lord, uh, that they would be willing to come forward and say, I just need some prayer. I need somebody to pray and, and agree with me. Whether it's for somebody you love and care, or whether it's for a need that you have in your own life, or maybe in the life of a, of a friend, whatever it might be, the step of faith, God will always respond to. Lord, we pray that Your will and Your way would be done. Help us all, no matter what we're facing, to be willing to stand firm in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Champion. In His holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.